Welcome to another week of Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. This week's Come Follow Me study is sections 41 through 44 of the Doctrine and Covenants. So to start this week in my overview episode here, maybe a little different than other overviews. It's kind of a culmination of thoughts, I think, that I've been having from the last couple weeks of study, this week's study, uh, also with conference, and just just a few things that I wanted to share my thoughts on. Um, actually, as a matter of fact, to be honest, some, some questions that some family members had asked and um, some others who had wanted to know my thoughts on a few things, um, kind of have put me on this trail of uh, thinking about a, of a, of a, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, just, it's, it's going to be a little different, I think, than the past, because normally my overview focuses on, you know, how did we get here, uh, and what is this week's study about? There's going to be a little of that, so let's jump into that first, and then I'll maybe... Uh, take a little bit of a, a left turn, and maybe maybe it's not even that much different. I don't know, um, but we'll see how it goes. So, sections forty-one through forty-four uh, are the beginning part of eighteen thirty-one, and uh, you recall that in sections thirty-nine and forty, that uh, James Coville um, was called to join the saints, and then we find out that he did not heed that call. One thing I failed to mention last week is that um, these revelations, section 39 and 40, were given, I mean, according to the headings, in, in the same month, but we, from some other records of the church, there's some hinting that those re- uh, two revelations, section 39 and 40, were given like a day apart. So we have the story of James Coville kind of leading us into section 41, where um, the Lord is preparing them to for what's ahead. One of the things that's going to happen in section 41 is that uh, Edward Partridge is named as the first bishop to the church. Section 42 is fairly long section and it's pretty uh, heavy in both doctrine and administrative principles for the church. Section 43 um, is similar in that it is to, to section 42 in that there's uh, some administration of the church uh, and how uh, the elders should act and how they should declare repentance and things. And then section 44 is one of these short little chapters where uh, the prophet is uh, sharing a revelation to have another conference, call, call another conference. And we can learn about conferences, actually. So we'll talk that, about that later. But So the, that's, that's kind of the overview. That's what we're going to talk about this week. But it really is a continuation of what we've been talking about this year. We have a young church, a church that's been just reorganized. Um, and when I say church in this sense, I mean the members of the church, the body of the church. Obviously, the Church of Christ was it was not is not was not a new thing is not a new thing. But the people, which is that's what that's what makes up the church on the earth at, at any given time, 
were all young, right? They're all young in the in the gospel. And so they're all learning together. Joseph is regularly having to go to the Lord for guidance um, and asking questions. Come follow me, says, If thou shalt ask, the Lord promised, thou shalt receive re- revelation upon revelation, knowledge upon knowledge. And that comes from section 42. And then uh, Come Follow Me continues and says, What questions can you ask in order to receive the revelation you need? From this week's chapters and sections, you'll you'll see two things that I want to point out now and I'll talk about later. Number one, the Lord says, Ask and you shall receive, and you'll be given this information. Number two, we learn that it's important for us to also keep the commandments of God, to be obedient for us to receive the revelation that we need. And uh, in this week's study, we'll talk about um, some verses where the Lord commands the church to take care of Joseph Smith and his family and their needs so that he can focus entirely on the ministry, so he can focus specifically on the translation of the Bible. The members of the church, and it's pretty well documented, didn't take care of Joseph Smith like they should have in his family and his needs. And so there were many times where his his um, translation of the Bible was interrupted. Outside people might think, oh, this guy was just trying to make himself rich. That's not it at all. He was trying to devote himself entirely to the ministry, but you still have to have your basic needs met. And if you have to stop the work, to go and work, uh, to employment, right, to get money to buy food, then you're not working on the translation of the Bible. And guess what happened? He didn't finish the translation of the Bible. Now, we'll talk more about this later. I, well, that's enough for, uh, for in, in terms of this uh, overview chapter. But just for now, it's enough to know that the, the saints didn't do that very well. And so the Lord promised them that if they would ask, they would receive revelation upon revelation. But then he also gave them a promise that if they took care of Joseph Smith, they would receive more knowledge. And because they didn't, they they missed out on that. In our life, it's the same thing. If we ask, he will give, a, give it to us. But part of the asking is also being obedient to the commandments of God. And in being obedient, we receive revelation. Um, as I was, and I kind of changed gears a little bit, but mentioned a few minutes ago, this week's reading is really a continuation of what we've been studying all year, and that is Joseph Smith needing to know how to guide the church. These young, new members, right? So it had been just a few months since the Hiram Page incident and receiving claim that when he was claiming to receive revelation. And there popped up another one of these times. And it, so we'll talk about it this week in, in some specific chapters and, and some specific verses. But basically there was a lady who was claiming more or less the same thing as Hiram Page, that she was a prophetess, that she would lead people to the right prophecies. And members of the church were starting to believe her. And so the Lord has to again address it and say, look, Joseph Smith is my chosen prophet. Okay? And this is where my thoughts kind of start to combine a little bit. The Lord, all throughout this year, study so far, how many times have we read where he he prefaces and, and he introduces himself and he makes it clear. Sometimes it's at the beginning, sometimes it's just throughout the section, but he makes it clear that he is Jesus Christ. Right? Section 18, section 19, uh, we read last week. Section 38, where he says he's the beginning and the end, Alpha and Omega, right? 
this is something that he does regularly throughout the Doctrine and Covenants. It's something he does continually through modern revelation. It's to remind us of a truth, that he is Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. He is the Redeemer. He is the Creator of the world. And then there's something else that he does throughout the Doctrine and Covenants, like I just mentioned. He repeatedly has to remind people, the members of the church, Joseph Smith Jr. is my chosen servant. He is my mouthpiece. He is the prophet. There are times, there's been, there's up to this point in the Doctrine and Covenants so far this year, we're just a few months in, we've already read at least a couple of places where he's also testified of the importance and the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon. So, the rapid growth of the church in 1830 and 1831, this comes from Come Follow Me, especially the rush of new converts coming to Ohio, was exciting and encouraging, but it also presented some challenges. How do you unify a quickly expanding body of believers, especially when they are bringing with them doctrine and practices from their previous faiths? We face the same challenge in today's world. We're not new. The church is, isn't, as a body, isn't new, but there are new converts, and we, and even those who of us who are, who are quote-unquote lifelong members come from different walks of life, come from different backgrounds. We have different races, different ethnicities, different cultural backgrounds, right? But Elder Cook uh, and Elder Anderson in recent conference addresses have, have talked about the culture of Christ, and that's what we should be focused on. That's what Christ is trying to teach us. That's what we're trying, that's what we're trying to learn, uh, the, 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 he was trying to teach and what the saints needed to learn, I should say in this time that we're going to be studying and that we are studying in the Doctrine and Covenants. And it's something that we still need to learn. How do you take people from all walks of life who are all different races, who have different ideologies and different political beliefs, and make them one? Well, you focus on the primary questions. There are a few primary questions. Some of them are, is Jesus Christ the Savior of the world? Is the Book of Mormon true? Was Joseph Smith a prophet of God? Because if you can answer those three questions, other questions, secondary questions, fall in line. Because the secondary questions are limitless. You can ask and say, well, what about so-and-so's political beliefs? What about if someone, so-and-so in a general authority voted for some political candidate? What if they said something that I don't agree with politically? What if, or what about, you know, the blacks and the priesthood and the history of that? What about polygamy? What about um, gay marriage? There's so many things, Second, but they're all secondary. They are all secondary because if you can answer that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that the Book of Mormon is true, and that Joseph Smith was a prophet, then what else matters? When you can answer the primary questions, one of three things will happen to the secondary questions. Number one, they will be answered. Number two, you won't care about them anymore. Or number three, you will be given the faith and strength and endurance to persist without an answer until the answer comes. And maybe that's not even until after this life. But all three of those things seem very positive to me. It's when we lose focus on the primary questions that that we get confused. It's when we lose focus on the primary questions when we can wander off the path. But if we can remember the primary questions, the secondary questions come 
they are answered or they're not. We're, we're grateful for those answers, but we have the faith and endurance to press forward if we don't receive them. The idea here is that we should all be adopting the culture of Christ no matter where we come from. If we're from Africa or Europe or the United States or wherever, if we're a Democrat or Republican, if we're liberal or conservative, if whatever we may, if we're, whatever, whatever your views are on political and cultural uh, happenings, Elder Oaks gave it, President Oaks gave a talk in this last conference about the United States Constitution, and he said a few things that I think were important to me that stood out. Number one, he said that the principles there, he and he pointed out five of them, but principles of the Constitution that were divinely inspired. Those principles, one of which that, that readily comes to mind is that the, the government is, derives its power from the people. That's an eternal principle that all of us as a community of Christ can, can get behind. Do you know why we should get behind it? Because it's a truth. We can, we can have, have disagreements about which political candidate or political party maybe upholds that the most, but what we can all and should all be behind is that that's a truth. We all believe in the, in the, the law of common consent, right? That uh, even in the pre-earth life, we had a council where we got to raise our, we got to, we got to say what we wanted to, we got to say we wanted to follow Satan or that we wanted to follow Jesus. We were not coerced or forced into that. It's a truth. It existed then, it exists now, and it will exist on to the future. President Oaks then talked about some, some things that, you know, about, uh, not judging people for the way that they vote and who they vote for in, in a political situation. Why is that important? Because there's one self that you can control, and that's yourself. And we don't, you don't know the reasons for someone's political ideologies or their back or their culture. And maybe, maybe they're mistaken. Maybe you're mistaken. But, but what matters is that we are all striving to be more like Christ. We're all striving for the culture of Christ. If if the cause of a nation is your number one concern, then that's going to come with certain consequences. The co- what happens to the United States? What's what's going? You know, I'm I'm pretty politically active person, and I am concerned about things that are going on in the United States. But those things have become secondary to me because I can say that Jesus Christ is the Savior. The Book of Mormon is true. Joseph Smith is a prophet. Russell M. Nelson is a prophet. And so what President Nelson says about some political thing, what, how President Nelson himself votes or some other of the apostles vote and who they vote for, that doesn't change the answer to the primary questions that doesn't change that Jesus Christ is the Savior. That doesn't change that Joseph Smith saw God the Father and his son Jesus Christ in a grove of trees in upstate New York. That doesn't change that the Book of Mormon is true. That the priesthood has been restored to the earth. None of those things are changed by what, what the Prime Minister of Canada or the UK, whatever. That... that this political happening, it doesn't matter. Now, President Oaks also said we should be engaged and we should be fighting for these truths and freedoms. And that's something that you personally have to decide. That's up to, that's on you as individuals. That's on me as an individual. 
we may approach them as, from different angles. We may, like I said, think that a certain political candidate a- accomplishes those things better than another. But we shouldn't judge each other for that. Because what we should be is a body of Christ. Where we can all be different. The finger isn't the toe. The nose is not the eye. We're all different, but we make up the body of Christ. He didn't. He never intended us to be identical. That's never been part of the plan. Paul makes that really clear by by comparing us to the body of Christ, and and talking about the different members of a body. These these members of the church that we're reading about in, in these sections of the Doctrine and Covenants, they're young, they're youthful in the church, and they keep making the same mistakes, and people are having false there's false prophets who are saying this and that. And we think, man, come on, you have Joseph Smith with you, but we're no different today. We've got President Nelson. How do we avoid falling into the trap of false prophets? It's by following the prophet and what he and we follow him. We listen to to his words and we pray about them. We know that they come from, and as we come, as we come to know that they are the word of the Lord, we follow them. As we come to know the truths, truths are what? A knowledge of things as they were, as they are, and as they will be. Those truths unite us. Jesus Christ as our savior, our, our head unites us. No matter where we come from, no matter who you vote for, no matter who I vote for. And so, as we can focus on the primary questions, the secondary questions pale in comparison, and they take care of themselves. And so, if if an apostle voted for someone you don't like, so what? That doesn't make him less of an apostle of Jesus Christ. We need, it's up to you. You can control you. I can control me. And what we all need to do individually is let go of the pride that holds us back. Why didn't Brother Koval follow? Well, we don't know for sure, but man, it probably had something to do with the fact that he would have to go and tell his wife that he was leaving the ministry and they had to move to Ohio. He'd have to tell all of his congregants that he had been preaching to for 40 some odd years that he'd been wrong and that there was a the true church of christ was here that he was leaving he would have to give up his his power and his money and his comfort but that we're all in that same position we all have to do that those are they're all things that we have to let go of don't you think that peter james and john and the rest probably had a problem for a little while following Jesus around with Matthew, a tax collector, a man who had betrayed his people, a traitor to the Jewish culture and to their heritage, to join the Romans and to, t- to collect taxes for the Romans, their, their captors, their masters. Don't you think that they probably had a little bit of different political opinions and views than Matthew did. And yet, Matthew was no less an apostle of Jesus Christ than was Simon, or James, or John, or Bartholomew, or Paul later. 
or Dieter F. Uchtdorf or Thomas S. Monson or Gordon B. Hinckley, all of them, regardless of their political affiliations and thoughts on on cultural matters and and uh, national type of world event type things, all of them apostles of Jesus Christ, given authority to speak in His name on uh, on doctrinal matters. And so if we can answer that question, if we can answer the question, is the church true? Are these men call of God? doesn't matter who they vote for. It doesn't matter who your neighbor votes for. What matters is that you are striving to adopt the culture of Christ. And if you can honestly say that, then you'll be happy and, and, and find peace. You'll be guided by the Spirit to find additional truths. You'll be guided by the Spirit to know what truths to fight for in your nation and your community. And I can guarantee you that if your neighbor is also doing that, even if they come at it from a different angle, that before you know it, and maybe without you even knowing, you'll be united with them. As we study this week, look for those types of things. Look for what the Lord is trying to teach us us in, in today's world and how we can sus- better sustain our prophets, how we can receive answers to our questions, how we can become one, united despite our differences. Thanks for listening to this little longer introduction uh, than normal. I hope you'll join me this week as we discuss sections 41 through 44. There'll be a couple of different episodes going forward. Uh, best of luck in your study and hope to talk to you soon.